The following message is brought to you by Berean Bible Church and may be used and distributed free of charge. For more free audio, video, and text resources, be sure to visit www.bereanbiblechurch.org. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to Berean Bible Church. Appreciate you being here today. Those of you who are watching live, thanks for joining us. It's always good to have you. I can't wait till the technology gets to the point where I can actually see you. You know, as I'm speaking, that would be great, won't it? Have a big screen on the back there and all these little faces showing up. <laughs> yeah, Zoom, all right. All right, as you probably figured out, we're not in First John today. Um, I just could not let the fourth go by without talking, you know, about our country. It was just yesterday, I think you're aware, our country celebrated its, anybody know what birthday it was? 244. 244th birthday. Now listen. In my opinion, and I'm allowed to have an opinion, right? I might not agree with yours, but it's my opinion. I can have it. In my opinion, this is the greatest country in the world. And I've been to other countries. I thank God for this country. I can remember coming back from overseas and just almost wanted to fall down when I got back on the land and saying, thank you, Lord. You know. But right now, our country is going through some very turbulent times. Our political, moral climate in America is just in turmoil. Our way of life is under attack, and it's hard not to be just a little bit anxious about the conditions we're facing in our society right now. Well, I'm convinced that everything we see happening right now is a result of the deep state fighting for their lives. Okay? There's corruption in this country beyond imagination that is being dealt with, and that's what this is all about. And I've told you this before, but I really believe... Things are going to get worse here up until the election. Okay, on November 4th, it's going to be back to normal. Okay, total reset. Here we go. We're back to normal. Everything is good. But listen, despite what is happening in this election year, it's still a tremendous blessing to be a citizen of the United States of America. But as great of a blessing as it is to be a citizen of the United States of America, it is a far greater blessing to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. As an American Christian, I'm doubly blessed. I have dual citizenship. Paul said this in Colossians 1, 12 and 13. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God trumps every other kingdom. (laughs) No pun intended. I'm a Christian first and an American second. Earthly kingdoms come and go, but God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And even when God's kingdom appears to be obscured, it remains forceful, mighty, unruffled by the kingdoms of this world. So what exactly is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is synonymous with the church. The two words are used as synonyms in Matthew. Matthew 16, 18, and 19. He says, I tell you, you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. So the Lord is talking about the building of His church. And He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So, 
Here Yeshua discusses the kingdom and the church almost in the same breath. Yeshua tells Peter, the confession you just made will be the foundation of my church, and I'm going to give you authority in the kingdom. Now, if you accept the concept that the church and the kingdom are one, then some lights should begin turning on. And we could say that when a person enters into a covenant relationship with God by faith in Yeshua and becomes a member of His church, that he also gains citizenship into Christ's kingdom. Hebrews 12.28 says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. The kingdom that cannot be shaken is the church of Yeshua. It is the new covenant. It is Mount Zion. It is the heavenly Jerusalem. The kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is the rule. It's the reign of God. And the kingdom of God is spiritual. It's not a geographical kingdom. God reigns in the hearts of His people. You know, what do you need to have a kingdom? You only really need two necessary components. You need a king, and you need subjects. Okay? You don't need a geographical realm. And all Christians are kingdom citizens. Even though we are kingdom citizens, I think you're all very aware, we also live in an earthly kingdom until our physical death. Alright? And that earthly kingdom greatly affects our quality of life. Now we hear every Sunday, Stan read this morning, about believers around the world that are suffering, even being put to death because the earthly kingdom they live in is very hostile to Christianity. But something I want us all to understand that I think is very important is that no matter what kingdom, we earthly kingdom we live in, it is being ruled from heaven. Okay? Every one of them. As a believer, whether you like President Trump or not, and let me just pause for a second and say this, okay? <laughs> I'm going to try to say this as nice as I can, all right? If you do not like Donald Trump as a president, then one of two things I think is true. You either know nothing about what he has done for this country, and believe me, you won't know if you just listen to the mainstream media. You either, or, or you don't like America. Now that sounds harsh, but listen, this guy is all about America. And I mean us as people. Giving this country back to the people. So, whether you like him or not, you have to admit that he's our president because Yahweh put him in power. And you know what, believers? He will remain there until Yahweh removes him. Don't believe these bogus polls you're seeing all over the place. That Biden doesn't even know where he is, but he's way ahead in the polls. Okay? No, he's not. Okay? That's, that's ludicrous stuff. You know, mainstream media trying to stir things up. The Scriptures are clear on this. As I watch presidents come and go, and I've seen quite a few of them come and go, remember, the Lord God Almighty sets up kings, the Lord takes them down. And this is the truth that I want us all to be reminded of. The outcome of presidential elections is in God's hands. Look at Daniel 2.21. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings. He sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. The outcome of every election is not a result of chance. It's a matter of divine appointment. 
God is sovereign over the governments of men. He sets up, He removes rulers. This is a truth taught throughout Scripture. Daniel 4.17 The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, and the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Can you say amen to that? (laughs) Listen to this verse in a translation called God's Word Translation. The guardians have announced this decision. The holy ones have announced this so that every living creature will know that the Most High has power over human kingdoms. He gives them to whoever He wishes. He can place the lowliest of people in charge of them. This verse, I think, reveals a major theme of the book of Daniel, which is the sovereignty of God. In the face of the might and splendor of the Babylonian Empire, which had swallowed up Palestine, dwarfing Israel by every standard of human calculation, the book as a whole forms a dramatic reminder that the God of Israel is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That God's hand is on history at every point, and that history is indeed no more than His story. He's ruling. Daniel 4.25 Till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whom He will. Daniel 4.35 All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and He does according to His will amongst the hosts of heaven and amongst the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? 1 Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, O Yahweh, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. All that is in the heavens and on earth is Yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Yahweh. And you have exalted as head, you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hand are power and might. In your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. Psalm 75. For not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one, lifting up another. Believers, nothing takes place unless God causes it to happen. Look at Pilate's conversation with Yeshua. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Pilate is issuing a threat here to Yeshua. And Yeshua's response informs Pilate that his threat is an empty one. Yeshua answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. He doesn't deny his authority. He just says you wouldn't have that if it hadn't been given you. Yeshua claims that all authority comes from God. And we see in this Gospel very clearly that Yeshua is Yahweh. He and the Father are one. So He's also claiming that Pilate's authority literally comes from Himself. Yeshua is saying, Pilate, you're perfect in Judea simply because God in heaven determined that you be that. That could be said of President Trump. It could be said of Obama, Clinton. Just so you understand that God raises up all rulers, both good and bad, let's remember that He put Pharaoh in power. Exodus 9.16 
For this purpose, I have raised you up, speaking to Pharaoh, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You know, I really believe that our founding fathers understood this truth of God's sovereign control over the nations. It was the summer of 1787, and the Constitutional Convention debate had dragged on for days over the issue of how the states would be represented in Congress. At this point, the aged Dr. Benjamin Franklin rose, and he addressed himself to General Washington in the chair. And he said, In this situation of this assembly, groping, as it were, in the dark to find political truth, and scarce able to distinguish it represented to us, how has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying to the Father of Lights to illumine our understanding? Well, he went on to remind the convention that at the beginning of the war with England, the Continental Congress had, in that very room, prayed for divine protection, and their prayers were answered. He continued, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. If a sparrow cannot fall to the ground unless seen by him, is it possible that an empire could arise without his aid? He stated that it was his firm belief that without divine aid, the convention would succeed in their political buildings no better than the builders of the Tower of Babel, but would find themselves so divided and split by local interests that they would become a reproach to future, future ages. He then concluded, I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessing on our deliberation be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business and that one or more of the clergy of this city be requested to officiate in that service. Now sadly, that motion failed, largely due to the fact that the assembly didn't have any funds for paying a chaplain, which I don't get because you couldn't get chaplains to come do that for nothing. But Franklin had soundly made his point. Nations do not rise or continue at the whim and desire of men. A higher power must be reckoned with, for the ultimate destiny of nations lies in the hands of God. The sovereignty of, ground is, the sovereignty of God is the ground of peace and confidence to all His people. They rejoice that the Lord God omnipotent reigns, and neither necessity nor chance nor the folly of men controls the sequence of events, and all their issues. If Benjamin Franklin's mature conviction is indeed true that God governs in the affairs of men, allotting to each their due portion of world leadership and status, and permitting each to continue without overthrow only as long as they fulfill His purpose. It is certainly prudent, if that's true, for us to inquire what are the values which God seeks to achieve in bringing nations into existence? And what are the wrongs which He will no longer tolerate that mark their appointed end? For centuries, Western statements have turned to the Bible for answers to the questions formulated above. Someone asked Napoleon whether God was on the side of France. His cynical answer was, God's on the side of the heaviest artillery. Then came the Battle of Waterloo, the loss of his empire, and finally exiled to St. Helena. There, chastened and humbled, he said, man proposes, God disposes. 
What Franklin saw so clearly, and Napoleon learned so painfully, is that nations like individuals can lose their right to exist. Yes, God sovereignly sets up governments and nations, but God also holds those nations responsible for their actions. And when their leaders turn to God, God moves in judgment against that nation. I think we have had all the blessings we have here because we have so many people in this nation who do love the Lord and who seek to serve God. And one book of the Bible that's especially given us to trace how a nation moves away from God until it reaches the point of overthrow and national death is the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was sent to the nation of Judah to minister during its 40 years. He began his ministry in the days of the godly king Josiah, and he ended four kings later in the days of Zedekiah, who was led captive into Babylon. And there's an illuminating passage in the 27th chapter where Jeremiah is sent by God to Zedekiah to say to him, It is I who, by my great power and my outstretched arm, have made the earth and the men and the animals that are on the earth, and I give it to whomever it seems right to me. Now I have given all these lands. So God's saying, I created everything. I give it to the person I want to give it to. He says, now I have given these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And I've given him also the beasts of the field to serve him. All nations shall serve him and his son and his grandson until the time of his own land comes. Then many nations and great kings shall make him their slave. So here's another biblical basis for Benjamin Franklin's statement that God governs in the affairs of men. Here God calls an idol-worshiping monarch, my servant. And he states that it is his God-given destiny to rule for a time over the nations of the earth. But in the end, he too is going to be judged and be subject to the rule of other people. To the same king Zedekiah, Jeremiah had been sent some years earlier to detail to him what God expects of governments. And here's what he told him in Jeremiah 22. Thus says Yahweh, Go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word and say, Hear the word of Yahweh, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants, your people who enter these gates. Thus says Yahweh, Do justice and righteousness. This is what God expects of rulers. He goes on, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. Note what the rulers of this land are expected to do. Here's what God expects of leaders. They were to do justice and righteousness. You know, this is a consistent theme in Scripture. Look at Genesis 18:19. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of Yahweh by doing righteousness and justice. That's the way of Yahweh. That's what Yahweh wants. So that Yahweh may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. God wants to bless him, but he says you have to do justice and righteousness. The queen of Sheba said to Solomon, Blessed be Yahweh your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because Yahweh loved Israel forever. 
He has made you king. Why? That you may execute justice and righteousness. Psalm 33.5 He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of Yahweh. Now we have to ask. Wait, one more. Jeremiah 22.15 Do you think you are king because you compete in cedar? Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. So we have to ask, what is justice? What are we looking for here? Well, justice has two major aspects. First, it is the standard by which penalties are assigned for breaking the obligations of society. Second, justice is the standard by which the advantages of social life are handed out, including material goods, rights and participation, opportunities and liberties. It is the standard for both punishment and benefits. The most prominent human agent of justice is the ruler. The king receives God's justice and is to be a channel for it. Psalm 72, 1 and 2, O Solomon, give the king your justice. O God, your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and the poor with justice. Is justice being done in our country? I kind of view this as a trick question because I would say that our country is a mess, but I think it's turning. I think the wheels are turning in justice. We are really, there's an attempt made to install the rule of law once more. All right? So you, I would have to answer this as justice being done, not by the majority of our politicians. Most of them are corrupt to the core. And I think our founding fathers never envisioned a government where people got in there and stayed all their life. They were to do a time and get out and go back to their jobs, back to what they did. Because the people were to rule, not these professional politicians who have been in office forever. And listen, who are multi-millionaires. How'd that happen? Yeah, they don't get paid that. They get paid good money, way too much good money, I think, but especially for what they do. Right now, our justice system is a mess. You know that Obama weaponized the FBI and used them against a duly elected president to try to unseat him. I mean, there's evidence. This is not even questionable anymore, okay? With all the documents that have been unsealed, with the whole Flynn thing, it's been definitely shown it goes up to Obama. They all knew about it. Our country was a mess. But President Trump is trying desperately to correct this. He's trying to follow the rule of law that has been forsaken for so long. And now they want to impeach Barr. Why? Because he's following the rule of law. He's, he's making arrests. All right? You know... President Trump continues to reshape the federal judiciary at a record pace and is following on through the promises that he made to appoint judges who will listen, actually uphold the Constitution and the rule of law. You know, he has appointed over 200 judges so far. Two Supreme Court justices, 50 Circuit Court justices, 133 District Court justices, and two Court of International Trade judges. He's trying to turn things around. That's why I said if you don't like him, you don't like America, because he's trying to put this country back to where it should be. 
Now, the injustice in our nation, I think, is seen on many fronts. I mean, you don't have to look far. We know, listen, we know now from the unsealed documents that they all knew that General Flynn had done nothing wrong. They all knew there was no case there. But how did they convict him then? Because they threatened him with his son. We will go after your son. We will hurt your son if you don't confess to something. So he confessed to protect his son. I mean, this is at the highest level of our government, okay? We see injustice in this nation very clearly because we have to ask, well, is it just to murder babies before they ever have a chance to breathe? You know, the Democrats seem to hate justice. And I don't mean just them, but they seem to hate it more than the Republicans do, all right? They're a bunch of baby killers, You know, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam wants abortion on demand to be enshrined in the Virginia Constitution. He wants the State General Assembly to approve a constitutional amendment that would guarantee a right to abortion. He's a pediatrician, and he wants to kill babies. Lawmakers in New York celebrated, and I mean celebrated, legislation allowing abortion up until delivery. That's what they're signing here. Up until delivery. Look at their smiles. It's like, oh, this is the greatest thing. Look at, wow, we can kill babies. How sick have we become? And Cuomo there, he doesn't only care about killing babies. How many people in nursing homes has he murdered? Oh, he's, he's going down, people. Okay. They're, they're looking into these five governors who sent people into nursing homes with COVID. The only people that are really threatened by COVID are the, those nursing home people, and they sent them in there, okay? So, yes, we, there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of corruption in our government. But on the other hand, since his January 2017 inauguration, President Trump has worked to regulate and restrict abortion access, using a series of rule changes that restrict the way taxpayer funds flow to a foreign and domestic organizations that perform and promote abortions. No one has done more to dismantle abortion protections or pave the way for a test of the landmark Supreme Court legal decision of Roe v. Wade than President Trump. He was the first sitting president. He was the only sitting president to speak in person at the annual March for Life. It should be obvious that life is not sacred to most politicians in America, unless it's a life of a criminal or an animal. You know, when COVID came, they let all the criminals out because they didn't want them to get sick. I mean, there's some sickness. Yeah, exactly. Just keep them six feet apart and give them a mask and they'll be fine, all right? Listen, the Dems are pro-abortion, they're pro-homosexuality, pro-transgender, they're pro-be-whatever-gender-you-want-to-be, they're pro-everything the Bible calls evil. And let me just make it clear, the Republicans, for the most part, aren't much better. They're a bunch of spineless, gutless individuals who sit there and let the Democrats run over them because they're afraid to oppose anything. Our country is a mess as far as justice is concerned. 
A police officer has been charged with murder for defending his life. I mean, you probably watched the video, okay? The, the, the conversation between the two of them was great until he tried to put handcuffs on him. Then the guy started punching him, wrestling with him, took his taser, tried to shoot him, and the cop shot him. Two weeks prior to this, the AG had just said, tasers are deadly weapons. Then the cop shoots a man, and now the AG prosecutes him for shooting him. It's just sick, because they're trying to appease the mob, all right? So a police officer is being charged with murder for defending his life, while a punk who has been arrested over a hundred times walks during the streets of New York City, a 92-year-old woman is walking by him, and he reaches out and punches her in the face and knocks her to the ground. That kid had been arrested over a hundred times. I swear if I'd have been on that street and saw that, he would never be arrested again. Okay, it just makes my blood boil. It makes me sick that this stuff goes on. And these politicians, these judges who are letting people like that out, it's just, yeah, it's, it's evil. What about righteousness? Is that being done in our country? Well, what is it, first of all? We understand righteousness to mean uprightness in the sense of adherence or conformity to an established norm. In biblical uses, righteousness is rooted in covenants and relationships. For biblical authors, righteousness is the fulfillment of the terms of a covenant between God and humanity, or between humans and the full range of human relationships. The one who in faith gives himself to the doing of God's will is righteous. Now would you say that our government is doing righteousness? For the most part, they seem to be promoting unrighteousness. I mean, if you can find an evil, they seem to promote it. Now listen, and if you're not woke yet, then it's time to wake up, okay? Many in the government were involved in Epstein's pedophile island, okay? Because Lane Maxwell, who they just arrested, Epstein was nothing compared to her. She's like the top dog, okay? She was the financier. She was the recruiter. She was involved in all this. And if you just listen to the charges they got against her, Okay? Child trafficking. Child sex things. That's, what that's what's going on. Our government was involved in Pizzagate. Now, if you don't know what Pizzagate is, look it up, okay? And the pedophiles used pizza as a synonym for child sex, all right? And Obama ordered $60,000 worth of pizza ordered to the White House. You think he had a pizza party? No, it wasn't pizza he had ordered to the White House. This is documented, people. This is not conspiracy stuff. This is documented stuff. And these people are going to go down. And all the while, they're, they're going after the most vulnerable people in our society, children. All the while doing this, they're becoming millionaires. Since his election, President Trump has made it a priority to end human trafficking. This started as soon as he was inaugurated. He's cutting off their supply of adrenochrome. And if you don't know what that is, okay, look it up. But let me tell you something. If you just look at our climate, Hollywood hates him, news hates him, all politicians hate him, you've got to ask, why? Why does everybody hate him? Because he's not part of their little boys club. He's not part of the 
deep state. He's not part of the cabal. He's standing against it. He's cutting off their finances. This wall, they get, a lot of them are financed through drugs. Drugs that come in through the country. Well, this wall is cutting They're desperate. President Trump is trying to restore righteousness, and they're fighting him with everything they have. That's why I said it's going to keep getting worse, people. You know, COVID-19, oh, we have a, what? He's going to be impeached. The impeachment fails. COVID-19 comes. Oh, COVID-19's running out. Race riots. Murder hornets. Aliens. It's going to just keep going, okay? You know, the Trump administration provided funding to support the National Human Trafficking Hotline. The anti-trafficking coordination team initiative was more than, has that, has more than doubled convictions of human traffickers and increased the number of defendants charged. Here's what you have to understand. This is not just in America. This is worldwide. They have military operations going around around the world to stop this human trafficking. Since Donald Trump took office, more people have been arrested worldwide for pedophilia than the the last five presidents combined arrested. Because they didn't care about that. But this is at his heart. And he's going after them. And I'll tell you, I think in the very near future, this is going to be revealed. And they're going to show people what has been going on. They've been rescuing people, and they're going to show what these Dems are actually involved in. And people, you're going to have to see it to believe it, because it's so corrupt. Okay, it's satanic. It's just absolutely corrupt system. He's going after it. And that is why they hate him. You know, I mean, our government, so-called public schools are nothing but indoctrination centers of communism and socialism. I mean, they're teaching homosexuality, transgenderism. These are all alternative lifestyles. And colleges, you know, if you, send, if you don't care about your kids, send them to college. Because all these professors are Marxists and socialists. China owns half these professors. There's being arrests being made now. Professors, they're receiving money from China. China wants to own this country, people. And let me tell you something. If Hillary had got elected, China would own us right now. Okay? But Trump, man, he's, he's never like China. Way before he became president, he was always speaking of the injustices, you know, the trade deals that are so wrong. Many in this country are getting rich selling out their country. Politicians, you know, whatever. Professors. We need to recognize that their failure induces widespread dissension and evil into our land. Their goal, people, is to destroy America. That's what globalism is all about. Take everything we used to make here, send it somewhere else. And we watch the country just die. Trump said, no, no, it's coming back. It's all coming back. And he's bringing it back here. And he's making it possible to come back here because he's cutting out all these red tape nonsense that's been... Hurting businesses. And I'll tell you what, you know, people predict, oh, the economy's terrible. The economy's booming now. I mean, things are going back so rapidly that the Dems are panicking, okay? Because they wanted to destroy his economy. First of all, they said the economy that he had was left over from Obama. And so now it's all wiped out, so now they can't say that. So money brings it back from here. But it was an artificial shutdown. You know, we shut it down, so it's just opening back up. And they're fighting it like crazy. You know, all these governors are fighting it because if the economy booms, guess what? That's a major thing in an election, all right? All right, at the end of Jeremiah 22, 3, 
is really an expansion of what justice and righteousness are. He says, thus says Yahweh, do justice and righteousness. Okay, what is that? Here it is. Deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. People, these child traffickers, that's what they're doing to children, innocent children. The leaders of our government, he's putting a stop to this. If you can't get behind him for that, then you're evil. I'm sorry, that's all I can say. Deliver from the hand of the oppressor. The task of government is to keep the courts honest and just so that the guilty can be found out and the innocent can be freed. How is Hillary Clinton walking around today? The uncontrollable rise of crime and violence is an unerring indicator of the darkness that's going on inside this nation. Everybody knows how, you know, when, when Epstein died, oh, Epstein didn't kill himself. No kidding, he didn't kill himself. The security cameras just happened to not work, and he happened to just commit suicide. No, these, and that's why when they got Maxwell now, they're freaking out. She's going to sing like a bird. And man, you know how many names are on that list of Pedophile Island? And let me just throw this out there, as long as we're getting crazy and wild. Justice Roberts. You notice how he's been voting lately? I'll bet you he's going to be on the list of Pedophile Island. They got stuff against. See, everything that happened in Epstein's properties was all recorded. He was a master at this, or he because he used it against people. Once they came to his island, once they were involved in this underage sex stuff, then he had them, and you could, okay, now here you can make them do whatever you want. I could be wrong. I'm not a prophet. I'm not prophesying. This is just, I'm, a, I'm guessing to say, this is my hunch, all right? I think Roberts is dirty. He's been to Pedophile Island, and we're going to find out, and we're going to have an opening on the Supreme Court pretty soon, okay? Which is, we need one, okay? Yeah, we do, but hang on, okay? It's coming. All right, our text goes on to say, do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow. People, he is telling us that justice and righteousness are to have concern for the poor, for the weak, those who can't take care of themselves. That's the idea. The fatherless and the widow were two classes in that society that had to be cared for. And he's saying, do that. That's righteousness. Take care of these people. And again, our government officials are abusing those very people. Nor shed innocent blood in this place. Oh, people, our land is covered with the blood of babies. Okay? For profit. You know, they're using the parts of these babies. I think what he's saying here is probably an allusion to infant sacrifice in the Valley of Hinnom. We see this in Jeremiah 7. For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares Yahweh. They have set their detestable things in the house that is called by my name to defile it. And they have built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the sons of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire. Child sacrifice. Which I did not command, nor did it come to mind. You know, through legalized abortion, we have shed much innocent blood in this country. And we've had several Republican presidents who have done nothing about this. Trump is trying to do something. And once he gets enough judges on the court, I think we'll see this overturned. But our leaders now have abandoned justice and righteousness. 
God promises blessing to the nation that fulfills these standards, that lives in justice and righteousness. But He also warns of judgment if you don't in the rest of this text. If you will indeed obey these words, if, maybe you will, maybe you won't, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and in horses and their servants and their people. God is telling them and the people, listen, if you people walk in righteousness and justice, you'll be blessed, you'll have the right kings, you'll have the right leaders, you'll, you'll be prosperous. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares Yahweh, that this house shall become a desolation. And thus says Yahweh concerning the house of the kings of Judah, you're like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon, yet surely I will make you a desert, an uninhabitable city. I will prepare destroyers against you each with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choicest cedars and cast them into the fire. In 2 Kings 21, 10-16, Manasseh, who reign, whose reign was known as one of unfaithfulness to Yahweh, is blamed for Judah's ultimate destruction and exile. Every human government is accountable to God and is accountable to maintain its affairs with justice and righteousness. And here's the thing, people. Our government is supposed to be accountable to us. They're elected officials. We, they work for us. They're supposed to. And when the government is no longer acting justly and no longer protecting life, like they are sanctioning abortions, for example, then it's the task of the church to be the prophetic voice to call the state to task and to tell the state to repent and do what God commands it to do. People, this whole mass thing is a test to see who will submit. I mean, this virus is done, it's over, it's mutated, there's hardly any strength to it, but they keep adding more. Let's see if we could get them all to wear masks. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not shopping if I have to wear a mask. I'm not going in there. Okay? This is, no, I'm selfish. But I just, because to me, putting a mask on is saying, I'm bowing to the state saying, okay, I'll do what you tell me to do. It's not about health. There's no, if you put a stupid hanky on your face, you think somehow that's keeping germs out? I mean, it's ridiculous. I saw a lady on Facebook made a mask that was mesh. You could see right through it. And she put it on, had no trouble going anyplace. Because it's not about stopping anything. It's about control. Listen, as kingdom citizens, what responsibility do we have to the earthly kingdom we live in? Do we have any responsibility? I think we do. John Calvin said this, it is the task of the church to make the invisible kingdom visible. That's interesting. How do we do that? We do that by living in such a way that we bear witness to the reality of the kingship of Christ. We do that in our jobs, in our families, in our schools, even in our checkbooks, because God in Christ is over every one of those spheres of life. The only way the kingdom of God is going to be manifest in this world is if it's manifest by the way we live as citizens of heaven and as subjects of the king. As kingdom citizens, what responsibility do you have to the earthly kingdom in which we live? I think we have several. First of all, we have a responsibility to live righteously. I think what Calvin said makes sense. We're to make the invisible kingdom visible. And we do this by living lives of justice and righteousness. You know, I think a widespread myth exists in our day that the foundation of our freedom lies in the great documents that launched our national history. The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. 
But as important as these documents may be, as instruments of freedom, they're not the foundation of it. Scripture reveals that the element which makes a nation great is righteousness. And when righteousness pervades a nation, that people is strong. Without righteousness, it begins to falter, it begins to decay, it begins to fall apart. God's Word clearly reveals righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Do you know that when Hawaii became the 50th state of the Union, she brought with it, to her, she brought with statehood the, her motto that she had adopted as a territory, reflecting her missionary beginnings. Her motto was, the life of the land is preserved in righteousness. It sounds like a pious platitude, but it's actually a profound truth which should be taught in every classroom in the land. Freedom rests on the moral righteousness of each individual member of that nation. And when individual righteousness fails on a large scale, laws lose their force. Judges fail in their powers. Enforcement becomes impractical and the Constitution itself is soon changed to reflect the currently acceptable level of morality. And people, I believe that the majority of this country wants righteousness. We, we never hear that because the loudest voice is the news media. They control everything. Okay? And so since they control it, they're pushing their leftist agenda and we just think that's how everybody is. No. And I'll tell you, to me, that's one of the major benefits of the Q movement. I have seen so many patriots, so many people join together you know, to educate one another, to tell one another what's actually happening in this country. What good is taking place? We're a majority. But we have to let our voices be heard. We've got to stop cowering. The life of the land is preserved in righteousness. That's been the fundamental secret, I think, of the strength of the United States. And that's why we're faltering now. And the only hope for America is Yeshua. We're not only to call men to faith in Yeshua the Christ, we're to teach them the truth of the Word of God. We're to teach them to walk in righteousness and justice. Look at what Paul tells the Ephesian believers. This is what we're called to believers. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. We're called to that, people, to be righteous, to be holy. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one speak the truth with his neighbor. How about that? God wants His community to talk truthfully to one another. Don't lie to each other. Speak the truth. Why? Because we're members of one another. Be angry. You're going to, things are going to make you angry. I Just turn on the news. Okay, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. But get a job. Let him labor. Now, this is interesting. Why? Why should the thief not steal, but why should he get a job? Doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with someone in need. Get a job so you can help take care of other people. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Not so you can accumulate all this money for yours. No, get a job so you can help others. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. But only such as is good to building up as fit the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you 
along with all malice. Be kind to one another. What a difference that would make, huh? I mean, when I watch this young punk reach out and punch this 92-year-old woman, I'm thinking, how, how flawed is this person? How destroyed is this of a person that you would hit someone who's totally helpless? She, can hardly, she has a thing like a walker she's walking with, totally helpless, and she just falls to the ground and bangs her head on a fire hydrant. And I'm thinking, a hundred times he's been, or over a hundred times been arrested. People, this is our calling in life. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. This is our calling. This is our mission. The natural outcome of men living in righteousness will be great blessings on our nation. So we are to live righteously. What else can we do as kingdom citizens? What other responsibilities do we have? Here's a responsibility I think we have that is greatly neglected, people. We're to pray for our leaders. I tell you, I pray for our president constantly because I can't even fathom why would you want to do what you're doing? Why would you want to get up every day and listen to all the hatred, all the lies, all the attacks on your family and you? Why? only reason I can think of he loves this country because he's not making any money at it. I'd be like, see you later. I got all the money I need. Go get a yacht, sit on a yacht, have a great time, you know, enjoy, go Caribbean, have a fun, have a fun time. No. He's doing this for us, people. Because he cares about America. Look what Paul told Timothy. Chapter 2. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks, thats those are all words for prayer, all different types of prayer, be made for all people, for kings, and for all in high position. We're to be praying for those who rule over us. Why? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and defi- dignified in every way, This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. People, the Bible tells us we're to pray for our leaders. We do not go before God's throne enough on behalf of our officials. Too many times we rely on our supposed political power instead of relying on the spiritual power that comes from our Heavenly Father. Asking Him to empower, to strengthen these leaders. Now notice that the prayers are for the secular authorities to provide a rule of law so that there might be safety and security for us. In a, a biblical case for limited government, which was a research paper done by scholar J.P. Moreland, he says this passage calls for prayers to sustain stable social order in which people can live peaceably and quietly without fear of harm. That's what we're praying for. Pray for our leaders so we can have lives of, you know, in peace. People, this is why we should pray for President Trump because this is what he's doing. He is working feverishly to restore the rule of law, to make fair trade deals. Everybody's been ripping off America. And the government officials don't care. China, the the European Union, Mexico, all of them. Canada. And he's busy. No one even knows this stuff. He's changing all the trade deals. You know, we got bases all around the country, all around the world protecting people. He's charging them now. For that protection. Why would they get it for free? He said, okay, you want them to stay there and protect? You start paying us. Here's the bill. If they don't pay it, we're pulling our troops back. Okay, amazing! Who thought up all this genius plan of not being ripped off? Ever? Listen, no one of us would put up with that individually. But our leaders are like, yeah, giving away our country. 
He's saying, no, it, it's not happening anymore. He knows how to deal, okay? Listen, it's been one of his main goals to stop human trafficking, to end abortion, to remove regulation so business can flourish. He met with the fishermen in Maine. What's wrong, guys? They said, there's 5,000 square miles we're not allowed to fish. Who said? Some rule someone made up. You can't fish here. Trump said, no problem. That's done. You can fish wherever you want. What else is the problem? Well, the problem, Canada is fishing the same water we're fishing. But we have a 20% tax on our lobsters and our fish where they have none. He says, I get, I'll take care of that. And he will. Okay? You fishermen, go out and do your business. Make some money. Wow, what a genius idea. Take away these stupid regulations and let people make money. And then we all flourish. He's pulling the troops out of Afghanistan. He's ending the endless wars. Listen, war is a product of the deep state. It makes them money. Trump is not a deep stater. Every time he's, you know, we see a conflict, oh, Trump's going to war with China. Oh, Trump's going to war with North Korea. The next thing you see, Trump and the rocket man are shaking hands and everything's fine, okay? Oh, the rocket man's dead. His sister's going to take... No, everything's okay. Trump's making deals with them. Trump is working with Putin. Okay, not to, you know, interfere with our election, but to bring peace to the world. Can you imagine a world where we're not, you know, maybe the Middle Eastern people won't hate us so much when we stop going over there and bombing and blowing up all their stuff. I don't know why anyone would like war. It's really sick. But he's ending the endless wars. He wants peace and he's working for it. Under the U.S. peace deal with the Taliban, Afghanistan is lowering the troop level to 8,600 by mid-July. He's pulling troops out of Germany. He's bringing our people back home. Okay, because they don't need to be over there doing this nonsense. Because he wants peace. Now, if you want to mess with us, okay, you know, he told Iran, <laughs> you want to mess with us? No, this is not Obama. We're not going to let you take our people hostage and then, you know, beg you to give them back. You mess with our boats and you're done. He told them. And guess what? They haven't touched any of our boats. It's amazing, right? We should pray for our leaders. They need our support. This is a spiritual battle, people. But let me also say this. We should pray for our godless, evil rulers. We should pray that God removes them. We should pray that God would smite them with worms. They would be eaten by worms and die. Okay? I'm serious. I pray precatory prayers for a lot of these leaders. God, judge them. Destroy them. They're evil. They want to kill babies. They want to be involved in child trafficking. Smite them, Lord. I don't think it's wrong. I could be wrong. Educate me. All right, I think we need to live righteously. I need, we think we need to pray for our leaders. And sadly, I'll get kickback for this one, okay? I believe we need to vote. You know how many Christians think, no, well, I don't think we should vote. <laughs> All Christians, I think, have a duty to exercise their citizen rights and attempt to influence this nation for Christ through the voting process. That means be educated. Know who's running. Know what they're running on. Know what they believe. Not just what they say. Look at their background. Look what they've done in the past. If they're not a politician at all, probably a good choice. Okay? I think the best president we've ever had had no involvement in politics until he became president. <laughs> it's amazing what he's done for this land. Okay? Listen, people. Listen to this. 
In America, decisions are not made by a majority of the people. Decisions are made by the majority of those who vote. What would America be like if every Christian prayed for God's guidance and voted their conscience? It would have to have a positive effect on this nation. And like I said, I know a lot of Christians say, oh, I think the system's all corrupt, government's all bad, we don't need to vote. So doing nothing is better than... Yeah. Doing nothing is somehow good? I just don't get it. Do anything rather than nothing. Okay? And anybody who thinks that, you know, well, it wouldn't have been any different if Hillary got in. Oh, my word. You have no clue who this woman is in the 16-year plan. Listen, the hope of America is the righteousness of her people. America's hope, I think, is found in the advice given here in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Now listen, I've been challenged on this text, saying, well, this is to Israel, it's not to us. Let me, let me, let's break this down a minute. God doesn't say, speaking to Israel here, if you do this, I'll do this. He says, if my people, that's interesting. He doesn't just say you do this, that would be specifically, if my people, are you his people? I'm his people. Okay, we're his people. If my people who are called by my name, that's us, if they humble themselves, the Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if you humble yourself, you get grace. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I don't think this is just to Israel. I think it's to any country, any nation that would truly, that are His people and will seek His face. The God who sovereignly established this country will hold His children responsible for its righteousness and justice. The hope of our nation lies not just in the next elected leader, but in the personal godliness of His people. Christians, it's time that we stood up and we begin to proclaim things that are wrong and things that are sin. But too, we're, we're afraid to do that. They'll attack us. They'll, you know, yes, they will. But where else are they going to learn the truth? Peter writes, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Do we, in the great words of Micah, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God? Believer, first of all, our responsibility is to live a righteous life before God. I think we should be praying for our leaders. I think we should be informed voters. I don't mean, you know, going and vote because someone said vote for this person. Be informed. Know what some of these people believe. Let's get rid of some of this. It's because people don't vote that you got idiots in government like we have. And people that have just been in there forever. It's the one of the few things that we can actually do, and, and I don't, I can't say I'm 100% convinced that it's all, it works the way we, you know, we say it does, and it actually, but I know this, if I don't, if I do nothing, it won't do anything either, so I'm going to do my part. And listen, you know that electronic voting was rigged, and Trump has fixed that, okay? They've gotten involved, and they found out, and they fixed the electronic voting, so now what? Mail-in ballots. You know why they want that? That was the whole point of COVID. Keep you in-house, you got to mail in. 
your ballot because it's one of the most corrupt systems. And, oh, man, just look at the news all the time. People are getting, oh, they found 10,000 ballots at this guy's. You know, it's, there's no way to control it. So that's why they're fighting for it. Okay? But we need to carry ourselves. We can go to Lowe's. We can go to Home Depot. We can go to Sam's. We can go vote. Okay? Don't worry about this virus. There'll be something new by then. Second, third wave, you know, corrupted virus that now your ears fall off when you go. I don't know. Some nonsense. But, all right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this country. I thank you for the privilege of being born here. For all the benefits that I've had. All the opportunities we've had. Lord, it seems like it's just getting more and more corrupt and it breaks my heart, but I think there's a movement going on right now. I think you have given us grace in President Donald Trump. I believe you're using this man to restore the rule of law and justice in this country, to put criminals behind bar, bars, to get rid of the corrupt people in this land. Father, I pray For Maxwell, Lord, that she just sings like a bird and all these corrupt people go down, Lord. I pray for all these people involved in child trafficking, human trafficking, child sacrifice. Lord, deal with them. I pray justice would rain down on them like fire, Lord. Father, I thank You for Your grace to us. May we be the people You've called us to be, Lord living righteously, living justly. And I pray, Father, we'd be informed Americans. That we'd do a little research, we'd be involved in the process for the country that we live in. We've got to live here, Lord. I pray we'd help to clean it up to make it a suitable place to live until we enter your kingdom. Thank you, Father, for your grace to us. Amen. Is she under... Um, um, <laughs> Suicide watch. <laughs> well, yeah. I, mean, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Do what? Yeah, until the cameras go off. Well, listen, you know, they they pulled it off one time. I mean, like I said, they have so much from Epstein already, you know, but she's just going to be, you know, adding names to it. They have the flight logs. They know who was on Pedophile Island. They know. And, and now it's happening. All right, the justice... You know, it doesn't happen as quickly as I want it to, that's for sure. But I do see it happening. All right, four Democrats were arrested this week for voter fraud. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple priests have been arrested for pedophilia. I mean, stuff. Out, last week, there was 150 arrests made for these rioters and stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. And here, and I've seen tweets from the rioters mm-hmm. saying, they said they'd bail us out, and now we're facing 10 years in prison. <laughs> you think that's going to slow the riots down a bit? Okay, because before they'd hit jail, the next day they were back out on the street riding again. Well, now Barr says no more of this. You're arrested. You're getting prosecuted. And Trump says you touch a statue, ten years in prison, minimum. Minimum. Okay. So listen, this is you know these people are being paid by Soros, but he's not paying them enough to go to prison for ten years. And also a lot they've caught a lot of the leaders in Antifa and stuff, and they're going to work their way up the chain and. I just love Barr. He is so calm, so patient, so laid back with just like a bulldozer, man. You know, pushing through and arresting these people. And it's glorious, I think. I mean, I just, you know, I like to see justice served, okay? 
Well, you have not your intention, I know, but you have caused me to murder several people today. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, uh, I don't know who this is, but it says, Imprecatory prayer is so good to hear it preached. The family of faith needs to rediscover the understanding of our spiritual tools for warfare. I mean, why wouldn't we pray against these people? They're evil. And I'm not talking about praying imprecatory prayers against someone that does you wrong or you don't like. I'm talking about evil people. I mean, you know, it made me sick to my stomach to see those Democrats out there smiling, grinning like a butcher's dog as they sign a bill to murder children. Just sick people. Was it that infanticide too? Not just you know. I think it was all the way. Yeah. Just like uh, you're, unfortunately, your evil governor. <laughs> yeah. Probably let babies die after they were born. Okay, I got a comment here. It says people listen to all the White House briefings from the president, so you hear from the horse's mouth, and then pray, 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 vote, 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 and know that God is on our side. Yes, that's the thing. Be informed. You know, I like that when he talks, I want to hear it, you know. And listen, I understand President Trump is not liked because of his rhetoric. Okay? Sometimes he sounds like a ten year old, okay? He's making fun of people, he's doing I understand that. But you know I'm looking at the yeah, I kinda of do too, but but people like my wife doesn't like don't like that, you know, and I understand that too, okay? She doesn't you know, that's offensive to her, but I don't so much care about how he talks, I care about what he does. You know, Obama was very eloquent in his speech, but look what he did, okay? I'd rather have someone who's actually doing the job we hired them to do and cleaning things up. You know, that, that's, that's what I'm about. That's what I'm looking for, okay? Uh, I'm trying to make sure I get to... What do we say about the no shoes, no shirt, shirt no service or no entry back in the day in comparison with the mask wearing signs. Not saying you would be walking with no shoes or not wearing a shirt. I completely agree with you, but not bowing or conforming to anything other than Yahweh. Just commenting and have no intention other than was there justice then versus justice then versus justice now. I'm not sure what the question here is, but let me say this. If a business owner puts a sign up, no mask, you have to wear a mask to get in here. If it's his business, I have to respect that because it's his business. I won't go in there. Or I walk in without a mask, and then if he met, we have a fight, I leave, okay, because I'm not wearing a mask. So, but I think that they own that business because they're afraid that they're going to get in trouble right. from the law, okay, because of that. And I don't want to get other people in trouble, right. you know. I, you know, it's sad that they're in that position, but so I think that's, you know, if it's your business, you own it, you have the right to say that. But I'm finding, at least here, I go in almost any place and have no problem at all. Now, in Pennsylvania, that was different. You walk in the door, where's your mask? I'm like, I'm not wearing one. You can't shop in here. And we'd argue for a while, and then I'd leave, okay? <laughs> um, because they're just, they're crazy up there, okay, about masks. But again, you know, it is... Someone's property, you just have to respect it, you know? Gary? Well, like you're saying, I've been to Home Depot and Walmart a lot in the last week, and it just really saddens me to see all these sheep walking around with masks. Yeah. Well, because, well, here's the thing, and I don't mean this as an insult, but if you're educated, mm -hmm. and by that I mean you're doing the research, 
First of all, masks don't stop viruses. Do you see the people in the viral labs what they wear? Oh, they got nothing on but a little mask or a handkerchief around. No, they got these rubber suits on and you know, self-contained oxygen, all this stuff. These things don't stop viruses. The purpose of the mask is to promote fear. You see all these people walking around masks. Well, the virus is still here. It's still bad. I got to be careful. They don't stop anything. So educate yourself. Read what the doctors are saying. These things don't do... The N95 mask is meant to stop 95% if it's sealed to your face properly. Right. And it's different sizes. Yeah, but you got different sizes. But I mean, you see people, like I said, they're wearing a bandana, you know. Okay, you look like you're going to rob this place or something. Yeah. <laughs> and what's this about, you know? I saw a guy last night at a drag strip. He had a mask on and said, faith over fear. I'm like, Really? He's <laughs> <laughs> promoting the wrong message like, there, I mask would say. Um, Bob Crookshank says, The blessing and curses of Deuteronomy 28 were originally spoken to Old Covenant Israel. Since Yahweh has reclaimed the nations, do you think they can be applied to all nations today? If so, it would explain a lot about our current state of affairs. Well, yeah, I, I somewhat agree with that, Bob. I think Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and the cursings, are just part of God's morale, moral compass for people. If you do this, you're going to be blessed. If you don't, you're going to be judged. You know, righteousness is what God wants from His people. When we're not righteous, we suffer. Just read through those blessings. And do, you know, it's funny because the blessings only take up 15 verses. And then the curses can go on to like 45 verses. You know, it's like, whoa, there's a lot of curses here if you don't obey. And God's trying to tell people, listen, you're much better off when you just do what I ask you to do. God wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. But man, we, we seems like we fight it so much. All right, I think I got everything. Appreciate you all watching. Appreciate you being a part of this. Uh, I know you talked a couple of weeks ago about the judgment seat of Christ. How would that fit in? Like, the, you vote for basically, you know, somebody to do your homework, and, and you say, well, because I don't want to get into the whole thing about this guy, but he said Trump was a non-Christian and a racist, and we went back and forth. He finally basically disbanded me, but whatever, banned me from messenger. So I said, that's fine. He's supposed to be a brother. You know, but. Well, you know, people ask me, is President Trump Christian? I have no idea. I mean, I know he's supporting Christian principles. Right. That's what's important to me. I don't know that he's a Christian. He used to be pro-abortion. Mm -hmm. Okay? He's not. What changed him? I don't know. But I, I don't think it's some show or anything, because, I mean, he's seriously do, trying to do things to fix this. So, you know, I love when people say he's a racist. I'm like, <laughs> he became a racist when he came down the escalator, okay? Because prior to that, I mean, he did so much for black people, it wasn't funny. You always see him pictures with blacks, and he's supporting this cause and supporting that cause and trying to help them out. But now, the very people he was hanging with are calling him racist because he's against the cabal. This is where it all goes back to that, people. All goes back to that.